Welcome to episode seven of the Five Point Moves podcast. My name is Tim Hans, founder and senior editor of FivePointMoves.com. This week, we're going over the 2017 World Championships. With us is two-time world bronze medalist Andy Besick and former U.S. national team member and U.S. Naval Academy assistant coach Nate Angle. Gentlemen, thank you for joining the program. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, Andy, I want to start with you right away, just because you were a coach at the world team camp uh, that just wrapped up uh, last week, and you played a you know sizable role at the camp. Um, not to put you on the spot, uh, I just think this is something everybody's probably wondering about. Um, why should U.S. fans be confident in the squad uh, taking the mats in Paris? Well, I mean, that the last camp they went through was a very intensive camp. And you know, after coming through that, these guys are, are ready for anything. You know, it, it really tests them physically and mentally every day. How did it compare to the camp last year or even the one the year before that? Well, I mean, I saw it from a different perspective from the outside, but it definitely brought back brought back memories. And um, uh, in a way, like, uh, affirmed me that I was handling myself pretty well in the past years. But uh, it, it was very similar in – you know, you, you want to be the man, you want to win trials and represent the team at the Worlds. Well, you're going to have to be the man and go through camp, which is going to be hell. Nate, you stopped in there as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. What was your impression? Yeah, I think it was good. I mean, uh, Herb House was running the practice and, and doing a great job, and the guys were working hard. So uh, excited to see them compete, uh, you know, this next week. You know, two weeks, um, a two-week camp, uh, you know, for, for wrestling, I think, at, at, at least at that level, is, you know, significant. What I find to be interesting is that, I mean, this is, uh, this might be taking it off the rails a little bit, but if you compare, you know, what, what it's, it's NFL now, right? So it's, it's training camp for NFL teams. And the funny part about that is that when camp wraps for the NFL teams, they're just going to start the regular season. But in our sport, this training camp is right before, you know, the equivalent of the Super Bowl, right? It's the equivalent to the Super Bowl, the World Championships. And it doesn't get the same kind of, you know, the same kind of attention, the same kind of interest when maybe it's because we're hardcore or something like that. I don't know. It's just that to me, this is like a huge deal. Like training camp was a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal for the platform. Um, we were getting messages. We were getting comments. We were getting uh, inbox emails and things like this. People asking about the camp. So there's, you know, there are people who want to know what goes on. It just seems like it's tough to kind of get it through to the greater wrestling community, how big of a deal the camp is, especially considering the fact that it's it represents probably the most intensive uh, part of the training phase, no? Yeah, I think it does. Well, let me ask you this, Andy. Our performances, you would be an absolutely excellent person to answer this question, but our performances at the Worlds 
uh, highly contingent on what happens at camp, or is it more an amalgamation of what took place throughout the year leading up? It's it's both. It's hard to say it was one thing or the other, but um, you know wh- whether you you know crush everybody at the camp or not, uh, it isn't the end all. It's kind of how you approach the camp and the day to day grind struggle that it is that can uh, can give a better indication. Well, I mean, it just seems like it seems like, you know, this is what Hall says. And when he jumps on, I'm sure he'll probably want to go over it. But, you know, Hall brings up the fact that if you, you know, you go overseas, you know, whatever, whatever event it is during the year, you know, whether we're talking like, you know, late fall or, you know, traditionally sometimes in the winter or spring. And, you you, you know, you have a uh, – it could be the Hungarian Grand Prix. It could be, you know, whatever. I think they they went to Thor Masters this year. And you have a good tournament, and that's nice, and you you might pick up a big win at that tournament. Maybe you, maybe you, you know, you bring home a medal. But his, his contention is, is that, well, guys overseas are not the same um, – at the worlds as they are when you wrestle them the, you know, the other parts of the year, you know, everybody's game is, you know, ratchet up a couple notches. I would agree. Um, I mean, a team from, from Poland, like in, in, uh, 16, they were competing at a bunch in the, the Finland tournaments, the Vanta and the Visto and, then they came in the spring and had like a heavy season and they didn't qualify any weights for the Olympics, but they had very good performances throughout the the fall and spring. I don't know. It's just uh, different training periods. Nate, how do you see this? Do you see this kind of ebb and flow the same way? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, like I always bring up Andy when I talk about guys that trained hard and, and really, you know, and it worked for them, um, you know, because I think Andy could have wrestled in a, a million tournaments and still, you know, won world medals, which he did. Um, but then you take guys like, uh, you know, I don't know, Harry, for instance, and uh, his body just can't handle, you know, like being overtrained and everything. So he's got to kind of pick and choose his tournaments you know, so that he can wrestle well when it really counts. Um, and I think that's when he won his two medals with some of those. I mean, we were flying to Hungary one year in 2007, I think, and he couldn't find his passport anywhere. But um, not sure where it was, but I think that that, you know, kind of he stayed home and recovered and got better and then went to the Worlds and did well. So I think, you know, every every athlete's different. Um, you know, like I said, Bizet could wrestle at a million tournaments and always do well. And then guys like Harry, you know, you got to pick and choose before you go to Worlds. Okay. Well, well, that is extremely interesting because on the last on the last show with uh, Provisor, um, Hall and I finally opened this up, I guess, publicly. But um, privately, we've had like an ongoing kind of debate 
for like, you know, probably a couple of years or so. And he always admonishes me uh, for my opinion, which, of course, he feels is substandard. But, um, yeah, I always looked at it like, yeah, you know, <laughs> if, if you could get more matches, then that'd be fantastic. You know, obviously, it's not so easy for the for U.S. guys to, you know, get the same breadth of international competition as everybody in Europe where they can just, you know, essentially drive. But I always looked at it like, oh, man, like, I mean, that's the key, getting more competition, getting more, getting used to that feel, getting, you know, more looks and all this other stuff. And um, Hall broke it down like, no, you, I mean, if you heard it, he's like, no, you, you have a training block and then you go overseas and test. You have a training block and go overseas and test. But, Nate, your answer actually, I think, uh, it's, <laughs> and certainly not to, like, uh, take anything away from, you know, Hall. But your answer makes, I think, especially in the context of the way uh, sports science plays a role, rest and recovery play a role now in how an athlete manages their career, your answer seems to make probably more sense in, in insofar as doing it on a case-by-case basis. You know, not everybody can probably sustain the same, you know, the same slate of competition each year. Right. But you still want, I mean, the truth of the matter is, I mean, these still got these U.S. guys still don't get overseas enough, probably, you know, I mean, not even yeah, close. I think there's just so many more tournaments overseas, Greco-wise. I mean, we're a folk-style uh, country, and, um, you know, it's been like that since the beginning of time. So it is tougher to get overseas. I mean, that's right in their backyard. You know, they take buses and and, you know, vans and stuff like we do in the United States, just they're going to Greco tournaments, so. Right, right. Well, now we got uh, we got that new group uh, that Lucas Stelt started up, uh, the cadet world team coach. Uh, what's it called? Go Greco USA Developmental Program. Mm-hmm. And they uh, took kids to Serbia and Croatia in June, right after Akron. Uh, next year, they're they're picking it up even more. I think they're taking, uh, ca- you know, cadets and juniors back over to Serbia and Croatia. I think they're going, not, I don't know, I think they're going somewhere else. I think they're going to, maybe they're going to Finland or, I, I, I don't know, I'm not checking my emails. But um, either way, that seems, that seems like the way to do it, you know? Like, you, you, you have to do this kind of... Um, Outside the scope, so to speak, you know, outside the box, you got you, you got we have to have more more initiative, I guess, uh, coming from, you know, interested parties. Yeah, I would agree, uh, especially at a younger age. I think it's really important, um, you know, until you're really exposed uh, at that level, you don't know what to expect or what it's like. So the earlier you can get in there and get a taste of it, experience it, um, you know, the better. Oh, this is hilarious. Yo, Nate. Yeah. Okay, so this, you got to follow this for a second, okay? So last year, the cadets go over to the Worlds, didn't have a banner tournament, right? Uh, only one wrestler made it into uh, the medal rounds. 
and uh whatever it was just you know there was just kind of like it was just this, it was a kind of a bummer and i don't know if i don't know if andy knows what i'm going to do now um but like in the in the preceding days you know there's this conversation that's taking place on twitter like how everybody knows how to fix the problem you know everybody knows how to how to fix it and one of the athletes fathers uh you know, he has, he had, he had the, the right kind of idea, you know, you know, there has to be ways to get kids overseas. You know, how can we figure this out? Out of like, I mean, out of thin air, practically, Andy starts getting involved in the conversation, which literally is like a Bigfoot sighting. Um, <laughs> Andy's tweet, <laughs> tweeting like replies and stuff like that. And I remember it was it was kind of late, and I, I was just completely thrown off. I was just like, "What is going on with Beesick? Like he's motivated," and <laughs> and Beesick brings it up though. Uh, wait, what was it? You sold meat tickets. That's what it was. That's what that's what yeah. that's what made me laugh. Yeah, meat tickets. I had never heard of meat tickets before. <laughs> it sounded like something completely different to me. Okay. Oh, I had this this Von Hansen's like a uh, meat shop, and uh, they they have like a chain. They're a big thing in Minnesota area. But I was selling gift certificates. The chicken was, I mean, it was like twenty dollars steak, twenty five, and I got to keep five dollars of every ticket that I sold. Uh, I I had to have sold. Like 400, 500 tickets of these things. Man, you know, just trying <laughs> try to pay for some overseas trip while I was in high school. Yeah, listen, but, I, I respect the hustle. That's not what it is. It's just that, like, meat tickets. It just sounds funny. Like, you could have said gift certificates. Everybody would have been like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> but Andy brought up the, if there is a point to that story is that Annie brought up the, the concept of feel, which to me is, is like almost mystical. Um, I, I remember the way I think Andy termed it was, um, I have a new phone, so I can't even go back and look at the, you know, archive text, but it was something to the effect of, you know, a world cup goalie during a penalty kick. You know, he's going to dive either left or right, you know, and he's been doing it for his entire life. He's been a goalie at a, you know, a high level of soccer. And even he guesses wrong because how do you know? It's feel. And you can't, you can't right. really kind of explain that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Well, that's the whole, to me, that's, that's the solution is finding ways to indoctrinate the developmental age groups into discovering that feel. And it's just tough to do if the only time they're wrestling foreign opponents is at the world championships once a year. Yeah. Well, our, our, our sport of Greco-Roman in the U S is evolving one direction and, you know, other countries are evolving their Greco-Roman in a, you know, it's all the same Greco-Roman, but it's evolving slightly different or they have different um, patterns, you know. So getting your hands on 
earlier, you know, you can see those things and those subtle differences to, to make a difference at the world. Well, I mean, this year, I think it'll be a little bit different. Uh, you know, the, this cadet squad is, you know, I mean, at least on paper, certainly very impressive. The coaches are excellent. The junior team had an incredible, you know, a really, it, when you consider the fact that, you know, you're 50 kilogram silver medalist, uh, was, you know, essentially an alternate and, mm-hmm. you know, beat the man who beat the man, uh, to get into the finals. I, 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 there's a lot of steam coming off that, a lot of momentum, I believe, coming off that. Um, mm-hmm. just gotta find a way to sustain it. Um, <clears throat> the only thing is, is that, uh, Ah, you know what? We'll crack open that walnut in a little bit. I don't want to. I don't want to torch everybody yet. <laughs> um, but leading back to Paris, um, you know, we just like I just said, there's momentum coming from the juniors in a way. I mean, it's separate, but it's the same. Um, is there, given the current, the current climate, the you know, just the vibe? Uh, the environment for Greco-Roman in this country, I'm not going to say that there's necessarily um, necessarily, you know, any more pressure on the Paris squad than there is any other any other year. But at the same time, it feels like it feels like there's, you know, a, a statement worth making Monday and Tuesday. It feels like I don't know. There's just this kind of intangible kind of buzz to it you know what i mean like it's not so much you know that's the kind of messages that i get i don't know i would imagine you guys both get the same question you know i i get uh, inboxes and all sorts of stuff uh how many medals do i think the u.s is going to bring home from paris and obviously that's a that's a difficult at least you know a week out or so that's a, a difficult question to answer you know it's dependent on you know however many variables i guess but it just seems like there's there's a let me put it to you this way we can use a good one right i mean we could Mm -hmm. use we can just for the perception of the program at large everything trickles down from the seniors we can use a good one in paris i would think right yeah, I think, I mean, it's the beginning of a new cycle, um, you know, so it would be great to have a, you know, 2017 having a great year at the World Championships because, like you said, if the seniors do well, then funding, you know, starts coming around and, and more things can happen. And, um, you know, so I I hope that they do a great job, and I think they're capable of doing it. But like you said, with the variables, I mean, the draws, everything. I mean, you could wrestle that tournament. 10 times over and have 10 different results almost every single time. Right. Right. Well, and, but you know what? The one difference is obviously this year is the, the, the placement system, uh, the point system, uh, that is derived, uh, from the previous year's world level tournaments, as well as the continental championships. So with that, if you wanted to, you could actually sort of, you know, sit down and plot where, like, pretty much, I think, 
come fairly close to predicting where certain guys will be placed. Um, I know we have done that. I mean, it's it, you're not going to obviously be 100% accurate, but you could you could hone in a little bit. I mean, they, they gave you who the four are, you know, um, even though that's all, right. <laughs> that's all upheaval because how many guys change weight classes and the countries don't keep the spots. Um, but I don't know. My general point is, and I'm not looking for agreement or disagreement. My general point is, is that <clears throat> Greco needs. An, I mean, the shot in the arm that Kamal Bay gave was awesome, and I think everybody is uh, admirable. I, I think everybody admires. Um, how amazing his performance was, especially in the finals. I mean, that was the best advertisement for the sport you could possibly have, especially in this country. Um, but like I said, everything trickles down from the seniors, and that's the major leagues. You know, the seniors is the major league. That's the Olympic level. And I don't know. It's when People complain about Greco in this country and have, you know, whatever – consternation, derisive things to say, whatever it is. <clears throat> it's always leading up or right after a Worlds. Yeah, they're, they're the ones out there. They're out there wrestling. That now. I mean, <laughs> let's think of what this team, uh, everybody on the team has had to go through. You know, Ildar finishing fifth in 2007 and having a, uh, you know, a pretty rough draw but you know still a pretty good tournament in 2008 uh, you know and then uh ellis everything he's accomplished and finally getting back on the, the world team um you know pat smith has finished second so many times at the trials you don't think he he wants this he wants to you know break through and and really do it or, or um cheney who's at the end of his career um you know and so many, so many guys on this team that that really are are right there, fully capable, and it's the rest of the country that doesn't uh, um, understand that that these guys really are right there, regardless of what happens, um, you know, in, in a few days from now. Well, that was extraordinarily well put. Um... Yeah, I think if you go up and down the lineup, and Nate, I want you to jump in on this. Um, when you go up and down the lineup, you know, there's there's credibility virtually everywhere. And then you could go ahead and you point to, you know, I think I, I think if anybody's going to point to, uh, I called I called uh, Manville the wild card um, in the 75 kilogram preview. I think that tag fits him well. But I mean, really, would it be, would it even be insane if Manville, you know, somehow or another finds a way to advance? I don't even think it would be like, you know what I mean? Like if you wanted to, if you bothered to now we're, and we're talking about the hardcore Greco audience here, because obviously the casuals have their own agenda, but like, if you wanted to, you can absolutely make an argument that all eight guys have potential to do something Monday and Tuesday. I mean, I don't think that's crazy. I don't think that's jingoistic. 
You know what I mean? Like, this is a very, very solid, well-balanced team. You know, it's a, a really good mix of veterans and, you know, guys that kind of veer more towards the the younger side of the scale. I, I, I don't know. I just think there's... I think there's power here. I think there's I think there's something going on myself. Yeah, I mean, I agree too. I think uh, you know, we could have eight world medalists, we could have zero, we could have five. I mean, um definitely the majority of them are all season. I mean, and even Manville, I mean, he's won at age group things. Uh, you know, he's wrestled at world championships, uh, you know, at the junior level and done very well. Um so, you know, I think they're ready to go. Um I mean, look at Ildor, just like Bizek said, um, you know, the guy was at the top of his career and then came to the United States and now he's back. And if that guy gets on top, I mean, he's unbelievable. Um, then you have guys like Ben Provisor, you know, that have made two uh, Olympic teams and now makes the world team. And he's hungry and, you know, he's doing the right things, I think, to, uh, to get on the podium, um, you know, and he's been close before. Uh, Robbie Smith. You know, he's probably fifth twice. Uh, yeah. I mean, he he's got a good shot. I mean, a heavyweight is wide open. I feel like, um, you know, I mean, obviously the Turks are always good, um, but I think that anybody can place and I hope they do. And I hope that the whole country gets behind them, you know, because I know that people have been engaging in Twitter battles uh, with women and, and freestyle and Greco and this and that. But you know what? At the end of the day. We're sending, you know, the the eight best people in in every style from our country, and I hope that everybody does well. well that's very nice, Nate. Um, I, I hope they do well. As, I hope they do, <laughs> I hope they do well also. <laughs> Dude, Nate's gonna be like a senator or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know, like just I can't write, lie it. <laughs> right? No, you come on. There's honest people out there. Like, just move on right from the Navy. Dude, you're at the Naval Academy. You know what I mean? Like, you could go ahead, just stay at the Naval Academy for like five more years, a few more years, and then run for office. (laughs) You could just just stay at the Naval Academy gives you credibility. Yeah, just in case. You got a master's too, don't you? No, I mean, no. Uh, I started that for a semester at... uh, Northern Michigan, that didn't last very long, but just in <laughs> oh, case... Dude, I told my wife you had a master's like eight years ago. <laughs> just in case my recruits are listening, I'm not going anywhere, so, uh, you know, that was a little <laughs> PSA. Nobody's asking you to leave this year, Nate. I'm saying in like five oh. years. <laughs> five years from now, he's in Congress. <laughs> All right. Do you guys want to maybe open this up a little bit more? Um, bring up. I mean, we're not going to uh, bring up uh, terrible, terrible uh, issues. Um, that's what I have Hall for. Uh, but you, you mentioned. I'm looking at the list now. I'm looking at all the entrants for each weight class, and I don't. No, we're not going to spend the time breaking down each weight class because I, I, I don't think people want to hear a 120 minute podcast. Um, but when I did these, when I've 
you know, go ahead and I do these previews and I watch an awful lot of international wrestling throughout the year. In fact, I'm sure I watch probably on a, I think I probably watch more international wrestling compared to U.S. on a two-to-one ratio because there's just way more events, you know, so many more matches, um, which is another blessing that people take for granted, you know, like how you can watch all this stuff, you know, it's all available, you know, if you, when you were 16, like you would have like given anything for this. And now we have it and people complain about stream quality. <laughs> it's like <laughs> completely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember uh in two thousand seven being in Hungary and I thought that my cell phone was real cheap, so I let everybody use it and uh let's just say my cell phone bill wasn't pretty. Andy Bizet, <laughs> such an outstanding guy, helped me pay for half of it. But uh you're right. I mean everything everything's out there and the people are getting what they want, but you know, when it's when it's not a hundred percent, you know. So I mean Dennis Hall, if he was on the call, he'd probably tell you about the postcards he used to send home. When he was wrestling. Shit. Yeah. It's it's not the 1940s anymore. Like, <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, I feel good, like, talking about him, you know, because, like, he can't say anything. Yeah. You know, every, episode, every episode is an alpha moment where, like, he shuts me down. You know, <laughs> the first one with Spencer, we're talking about, uh, we were talking about, you know, whatever, wrestling overseas or something. And, you know, I watch about 17 million times more wrestling than that guy does at this point, Hall. And, and then he just, like, I'm, I'm trying to make, I'm just trying to get in there. I'm just trying to make, like, a small little point. And he screams at how I don't know what the level is like. <laughs> that's because when they took pictures of him they used to take pictures on polaroid cameras so we've come a long way <laughs> he had to pause for a second while he took the photo <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm wondering if he went when in fact he will uh when in fact he will get involved in this um i know he's Busy with the club, they were moving, uh, moving gear around and moving mats or whatever it was. Um, <clears throat> whatever. I'll probably wind up cutting that part anyway. Um, all right, back on book here. 59 kilograms, uh, 59 kilograms comparative to 2015, 2016s of, uh, of, has a quite a different look. Um, Nate, since this was, uh, your kind of wheelhouse here, this was the, the land you travailed. Um, I'm sure, you know, uh, know the score here with, uh, a lot of these, these major guys, you know, you, you, you got Stieg, Stig Andre Berg, you've got Marianian Fumita taking over for Ota, even though Ota has looked I mean, Ota over the summer has looked like a cyborg, in case you haven't seen him. Um, just completely thrashing everybody. He uh, took apart Ser- Sergey Emelin at, uh, well, I think that was Poland, or was it Spain? I think it was Poland. Um, uh, you have the Azerbaijani who's in for 
Baramoff, Tally Mamadoff, and I think, uh, Nate, you're familiar with Miran Beck and from Kazakhstan. Uh, There's just a lot. I mean, 59 is deep, just as you would imagine, even without Barrero and even without Angelov and Sorian and whomever else. Um, Where do you see, uh, you know, obviously there's, you know, a couple, few dozen other wrestlers (laughs) that'll be in the bracket. But where do you see Eldar fitting in uh, in such a deep field? Uh, I mean, I definitely think he can place. I think he can get on the podium. I mean, he's a seasoned veteran. He's mm-hmm. wrestled at these tournaments before. Mm-hmm. He's wrestled mm-hmm. at the Olympics. He's, you know, he can definitely do it. Um, you know, but it's going to be tough to, uh, I think, honestly, Stieg, uh, you know, became a fan favorite at the Olympics with his crazy dance and, you know, just the whole story about, I think it was his mom that passed away. And um, right. so he's become a fan favorite all over the world. I mean, I'm, you know, I enjoy watching. And you know, besides besides Ildar, I'm kind of pulling for him. You know, if take second, Ildar wins it. Um, but yeah, I think Ildar can do well. I mean, he's he's a foreigner, but yeah, he's an American citizen. But he wrestles like the rest of the foreigners do. He's got a classical so, style. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he gets on top, he's gonna do some damage. Like I said earlier, so I think he could he could do really well. Um, I mean, but like you said, it's a pretty deep weight class, but you know, somebody's going to hit a, somebody's going to hit that wave and ride it all the way to the finals and win it. Um, you see it every, every world championships, every Olympics, people get on a run and, and it's hard to, uh, to stop them. Right. Um, right. I think, uh, I mean, I obviously I agree with everything you say about Ildar. I think Ildar's just, he's. The, the word I used to describe him the most is polish. You know, he's got so much polish. He, and, and whatever he does, however he gains entry, he's he 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 does every little thing correctly. You know what I mean? He he doesn't he doesn't really present too many vulnerabilities. Um, you know, uh, he had a really good match actually in the trials with Taylor Lamont. Um, but uh, it was almost like he fell asleep at the wheel for a second there too. Um, but other than that, I, I, this, the way he's looked, you know, I think he had a little bit of a knee issue coming out of last year. Mm-hmm. The way he's looked in 2017, I mean, I, uh, not that I think, uh, I mean, you're just coming from a 38-year-old human, um, not that I think in 2017, 30 is so old or anything like that. I don't. Um, but Ildar being 29, I mean, he, he's, I've, I've watched that guy wrestle now for about eight years or so. And, and like physically, he just looks better than I've ever seen him, you know, just yeah. so much more commanding. And he's not cutting any weight. I mean, at, at camp, uh, everybody was giving me a hard time cause I'm so small now and not that I was ever big, but I guess I'm smaller and uh, Ryan Mango told me that Ildar walks around at 59, 60 kilos. So, you know. What? Are you serious? Yeah, I know. He doesn't look like it. He looks all chiseled out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 66. But so, I mean, obviously, weight's not going to be a factor. The the cut, you know, the, the first match not going to be a factor. He's going to be ready to go. All right. Then let's, you know, I, I, 
I don't think it's a combination uh, competition to see who can answer more diplomatically. Um, but obviously, uh, Andy, for you, that would be 75. Now, 75 has obviously seen a lot of uh, upheaval. You know, you have a, you know, a whole bunch of guys have gone up to 80 uh, for this tournament. Everybody knows who they are. Uh, you know, Vlasov went up to 80. Uh, Datunashvili went up to 80. Matson went up to 80. Um, whatever. But still at 75, you got, you have Kim. You have the Iranian that you beat for bronze, Abvali. Uh, we have Nemes, Czech Herkin. Uh, one of my favorite, as far as just aesthetically, just to watch him is the the guy from Belarus, uh, Kilov. Uh, he's like, you know, the. I look forward to watching him whenever whenever he's in an event, um, just because he's, you know, he's he, I don't know, he's insane. Um, you know, he hangs in there and it looks like he's not doing anything. And then all of a sudden he just goes berserk. Um, you know, he plays kind of like a, a I think he plays a game that uh, American fans would appreciate because he, he, he he's uh, he's violent in there. You know, he's he's not boring. He, he's, he, he, he tries wild stuff almost every other match. He's just whatever. I love watching him. And then, of course, you also have. uh well, this is going to be important, at least in context of talking about Mason Manville. Um, but you have the the Armenian Chalim, who won the Junior Worlds a few years ago. Um, obviously, Andy, I would assume that you are, you know, intimately familiar with most of these gentlemen. Um, we are, we all know we all know Manville's story. We know his style. We know, you know, the the flirtation with um, the flirtation with other styles while he was training full-time Greco. I mean, that's his thing. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't kind of, uh, he doesn't make it any secret that he, he loves all wrestling where he has most Greco guys are like, Oh, I'm a Greco guy. I'm a Greco guy. Um, Manville is the X factor. He is the wild card. That's how I see him. Andy, how do you see him uh, having a chance to survive this bracket? Um, I mean, he's got a a different take than most guys on the team or everybody else on the team, really. It being that he hasn't <clears throat> necessarily. I mean, he's he's committed to Greco for this year. He's gonna wrestle. You know, he's looking at wrestling uh, collegiate, but um, I think he. He really has a a different niche kind of there. Like he he fits in awkwardly with some guys, and for him to get through that, it isn't. It's not impossible. It's not um you know crazy to crazy to think about. And and like it's already been brought up that he's he's been accomplished at age uh, age group world level competitions you just you know it's um so to to completely rule them out you know would be silly but i i you're right i do know a number of those guys and you know what 
you know, if I'd have to to pick, it'd be kind of uh, you know, Kim, uh, Nemes, Abdivali. Like I definitely would pick up pick those guys, and we'll see. Have to see, you know, how the bracket goes out. Um, see how things end up. Really. All right. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, just stylistically, you know. Um, Manville wrestled in Tbilisi, and you know, I mean, let's ignore the fact that obviously, you know, Tbilisi's in June. It's it's being treated as part of the training phase. You know, I mean, of course, guys want to do well and they want to compete well and they want to win. But at the same time, it's not like uh, you're seeing that through like a prism of these, you know, you know, just these ominous consequences if it doesn't go uh, fantastic. Um, but Mandel had two matches in Tbilisi. They didn't. He didn't look great. Um, right. He didn't. He did not look great. Uh, and I don't, I'm assuming you saw them, but maybe you didn't. Um, and the reason why this is a stylistic question is because he like just i mean it was all, it was almost curious because you see him like you know lack of a better term more greco-y in, in domestic tournaments but he he kind of backed his hips out a little bit and reached and it was it was kind of strange to see that if only because usually he's it's almost like he's reminding himself uh you know exactly what he's doing where he's at when he's wrestling uh US guys but here he was like a little bit loose uh he reached out the Armenian. Just, I mean, I, I don't even know if you call it an arm throw. I mean, he, he it was like an arm whip. I mean, he just grabbed his arm and just, you know, I, I do, I do that to my son when I have to change him. I just grab him by yeah. his arm and like pull him right down. <laughs> you know, and it just really, it seemed like the best way to describe it. It appeared as if he was overwhelmed, and. I don't put a ton of stock in that necessarily, if only because, you know, that's a lot that's happened between Tbilisi. Yeah. But at the same time, there are, would you say, I don't think it's inaccurate to say, at least on my part, but would you agree that there are stylistic things that maybe are awkward and could present problems for some of the more rigid, you know, postured up uh, you know, classical Greco competitors that could work to his advantage, but at the same time, he can't do things like that, right? He can't, he can't, he can't buck out, can't buck his hips out, and think no. that he's just going to engage in a collar tie. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I I think uh, you know Nate and I are definitely both at Northern living through this, and uh, Harry. Upset by Jake Deichler and Harry or uh, Jake wrestling at the Olympics. First thing he does, reach out there, <laughs> gets harped on, and uh, like twice. It's all you know. <laughs> just like, well, there it goes. You know, you don't you don't do that with your hips back, and that's part of the the feel. And although Manville's competed at uh, age group levels. You know, it hasn't necessarily been in Greco, and that's where I think those subtle differences will really play a factor. Um, is he somebody that I think can 
can definitely learn quickly. Yeah, that's that's how he's got where he is. He's he's been able to to stay to a task and to to learn to listen to his coaches to to make these adjustments that are necessary for the match at hand, which I which I think is huge in the the sport of Greco Roman wrestling. You you learn to stay focused at what what's critically important this match. You you stay focused with that, you're good. Well I think I think also another thing that's that uh checks in as an advantage not I mean not an advantage but at least an attribute for him is that he's he's an he's an what you'd say like an excellent competitor. You know, like he, yeah. he, he doesn't he's not the type who's daunted very easily. Uh he, he goes mm. after it. He's he's got he's got that edge to him and I think that's something that you know definitely deserves to be said in his favor. Yeah, I definitely uh I agree with that, and I think that's part of something I was getting to. But just you know, he 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 knows how to compete at that kind of level. Whereas um, we've had other guys who've made the world team for the first time and ha- haven't known what to expect at that kind of level. He's ready to go. He he understands what kind of level it takes to be there. Yeah, he's not so wide-eyed. Right, he's not. Uh, he, he's definitely more more focused than other people we've had in the past. So let's let's I guess take a, a more personal turn. Um, you know, I'll, I'll actually start with Andy. I'll come back to I'll come back to Nate because uh, you know Nate competed last, um, but. Uh, <laughs> So, Andy, <laughs> I guess. I mean, you've had Andy. You've had like a, a, a obviously. A, I mean, a crazy year. That's that's an understatement. You know, um, you you take the job at Northern. You move. Um, you have a child. Now you have three. For some. Yeah, well, I'll never figure that out. But now you have three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you move again uh, into a house or whatever, and that's that's you know that's splendid, and we're all thrilled. Um, but uh, now we're here. We're here. Uh, we're here. It's the World Championships. Uh, does this feel like? weird does this feel like something's missing does it feel uh you know at all wistful or are you at peace and moved on and we're good here uh i mean it has its moments at different times um i felt pulled in different directions and i felt like man this is this is weird having a summer where i'm not going to the world's or the Olympics, you know, and, uh, but I've also been able to just be like, Oh man, you know, a, a fresh breath of this, this is what it's like. This is, this is life. This is living, this is laying out and, you know, in enjoying my, my family and, and as crazy as it is, the, the chaos, you know, but, um, 
in in some on some parts it it's definitely different from what I've become accustomed to. All right, but I guess the question is then, do you have, you know, I mean, what, maybe it's, maybe, you're, you know, you're wrestling wrestling around in Northern or whatever you're doing or drilling or, I, I don't know. But, I mean, do you have those, like, moments where you think to yourself, like, you know, I, I could. I, I mean, if I really, really, really wanted to, I, I could. I could still, I could still do this. Yeah, Absolutely. But then I, I think like, you know, what would that do? What would that do to the athletes at my weight class that I'm trying to train? I think of like what that would do to the athletes like, like Mason who made the team. But if I take that opportunity away, they won't be able to grow you know, like they would without me there. And I think that uh, that second reason there is, um, you know, kind of a, a bigger factor when, when it's time to, time to go. I mean, I don't know, not, not to say like I couldn't, I couldn't do well, but it's just, uh, it's been different this past year and I don't want to, take that opportunity away from anybody that could could grow and develop into that that spot you know i want to give them those opportunities those touches the, the, the that feel that i was referring to earlier i want to give that to them as soon as possible and you know competing the senior worlds senior you know the olympics that's that's a big deal i want to you know be able to pass that on or you know, to give the U.S., you know, the best advantage as early as I don't feel like it fits me. And I can say that this last year, like, uh, honestly, is has been crazy. You're right. We moved from Colorado to Michigan, and, you know, we, we closed on our house a week before our third child was born. We got, you know... Uh, so many things going on at, at one time that I don't know that it could have been preparing and competing in the same way that I was the last four years or, or so. So uh, I think it was just kind of a sign that, you know what, it's time you're coaching, you're coaching guys to be what you were and, and more. So you need to devote everything into that and and really push them to be the best, not necessarily wrestlers, but individuals that they can be. Oh, that's um, incredible. I mean, it's just incredibly selfless as well. I'm sure you have about, I'm sure you've had about, a, you know, a few dozen people in New York going, ah, oh, come on, you know, <laughs> don't worry about the next generation. <laughs> No, well, I mean, it's it's tough to think about, especially like you mentioned, the the conversation or the, how I was tweeting about these these kids need to have these these kind of uh, matches, these touches, these, these this feel. You can't go to the world championships with it 
um, your first your first contact with a foreign wrestler. You know, you're uh, like that's that's crazy, and uh, that's somebody that that's somebody that I did that. I did that. That's coming from somebody that did it, and it is it's crazy. You can't. You got to give these experiences to the younger athletes. You really do. And you look at how, um, you know, other teams, other countries send their athletes. And, you know, some of the bigger tournaments, they don't send their best athletes. They send the guys that could be the guy coming up because they they understand that. And, um, you know, maybe through my time, I've, I've seen that. And uh, I've just tried to keep things in perspective for the for the US like you know what I did this and that so what it's it's not about me but like you know from from ever I've been introduced to to Greco at the world level it's like what can the US accomplish so that's kind of the the goal that I've been seeking wow okay i mean I mean, you're, uh, I think people, you know, just fans and stuff like that miss, miss you obviously competitively, but I think people also feel good to know that someone like yourself is at least involved on the inside as a coach rather than having, you know, pieced out altogether. I think that's what makes people feel confident, um, knowing that you're at Northern, you know the preeminent, uh, the preeminent uh, developmental program. Even though I really, uh, I can't stand, I can't stand calling it developmental, if only because there's you know a bunch of awesome, awesome wrestlers there. But I mean, I guess that's the role it's supposed to play. Yeah, I don't, I don't think of it as really development. I try to push these guys like. No, we need to be making senior teams, um, you know, senior national teams. That's the that's the that's the real dream. That's the idea. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Nate, like that. That's what Yvonne was pushing on us for for so long, for so many years, and it got to the point where, yeah, there there was really nothing anybody could say or do about it. It wasn't developmental. It was. It was it. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to instill. Well, Nate, you're an alum. Yeah, I mean, I agree with uh, Bezik 100%. I mean, when we were up there, I mean, granted, I came, you know, towards the end of everybody's careers at Northern Michigan, but, uh, and they were already, you know, going strong. Um, but it wasn't good enough just to win the Sunkist Open or, you know, place overseas. I mean, Harry was winning world medals. Spencer was making world and Olympic teams. Um, you know, Adam Wheeler had just left and won a, an Olympic bronze medal. Um, you know, so it was like those types of guys we were going against every single day. Uh, I know I tweet this out about every other day about Andy Bezik, but, uh, you know, he took seventh at Fargo and then he put him in a room with a bunch of guys that, that are hard nosed and, and scrap every single day. I mean, it was a war zone in there. Uh, you know, and Ivan Ivanov, hands down, is probably one of the best Greco coaches in the world, uh, I think. Um, but 
so, you know, and then Andy came through that system and, and won two bronze medals. Uh, I don't know many other Fargo guys that uh, were winning world or Olympic medals that took seventh at Fargo. Um, you know, so I think Andy's got the right the right mindset, you know, because he came through that system and he's going to run with it and do great things up there for Northern Michigan because he's right. It's not good enough just to make a junior world team or a got to be thinking about senior level because at the end of the day, that's the ultimate goal uh, to win world and Olympic medals, no matter if you're there, WCAP, wherever in the United States. Oh, geez, I can't even every every Northern guy I talk to. It's like B6's name has to come up in the conversation for crying out loud. It's like, uh, oh, how, you know, how has this year been going? How do you like, you know, what, whatever, whatever the garden variety question I ask, you know, and then somehow or another, it's got like, we got to talk about Andy. <laughs> how's, how's B6's I mean, influence been? <laughs> not just a great uh, wrestler, but I mean, that mustache is unbelievable. And, uh, when Andy goes into the Hall of Fame, they should make a special place for his mustache. <laughs> no, they should make a special place for his grooming kit. Well, that too. Well, I won't talk about our overseas and his grooming kit. I bring one toiletry item overseas every time. It's usually he never a toothbrush. Like... He didn't shower for days at a time. <laughs> Thank goodness he has a great wife because hopefully she's changed his ways. <laughs> Sorry, that's probably too much info for everybody listening. But well, uh, let's uh, Nate, let's let's throw the spotlight on you real quick mm-hmm. as we start to hit the home stretch here. Put your sunglasses on. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> you should go to an open mic. <laughs> you and well, Joe hit up the open mic. <laughs> yeah, you, guys, you guys could swap marble notebooks. <laughs> Come on. What you call it? so Nate? Uh, so you know, Basic moves on and from being an athlete to a coach. You go ahead a couple years back move on from being an athlete to a coach. And then you came back and became an athlete once again and competed at the Maccabee games. Um, this was your second time uh, at that event over in Israel. Uh, walk, walk me through the, if you would, the, the, I, I don't know, the catalyst uh, that, you know, is responsible for bringing you out Back in, back onto the mat once again. Uh, what were the conversations like with you know whatever your your fellow Navy coaches, your wife, things like this? Uh, how did this all kind of come together? Yeah, I guess my wife and my dad, like six months prior uh, or a year prior, had kind of put a little birdie in my ear, and I just thought they were crazy because uh, you know I just turned thirty four right before I competed. Um, I wasn't training like I did back then. I probably hadn't lifted a weight in years. Um, but I was wrestling, you know, a lot with my team with the, with the midshipmen and, um, I felt good. And then at the NCAA tournament, just from being stressed out and everything, I weighed 132 pounds. Uh, and the qualifier was like two weeks later. So I had to make 128 pounds. But yeah, the, the biggest thing was, um, my wife really wanted me to compete one last time and my dad too. And, you know, I think moments like that, 
you know, as our parents get older, um, you know, you don't always have those moments to cherish. Uh, so to me, um, to have my dad out there to see me compete one last time, uh, my wife especially, um, was, was truly special because, um, like I said, you, you just don't get those, those moments. And I didn't want to be 50 and say, what if, um, you know, I don't want to wrestle at veterans world or anything like that. Nothing against it. I just, I love being a coach. I love, like Andy said, you know, you can't be selfish anymore. And so I was selfish for probably two or three months, uh, training as much as I could, um, with my guys. And then, you know, we went to Israel train and, uh, enjoyed a great trip, amazing team. And, and I competed. I've never been so sore in my entire life. Um, but yeah, it was just a great time. And I, I tell every, everybody that asks me why is like, don't do it when it's too late. So, you know, if you feel like the need to compete and get back out there, uh, you know, Andy's listening. So if you feel the need to uh, get back out there and, and give it one last go, uh, 2020 is not far away, but not for me. <laughs> well, this was also your second time in Israel, and Israel is a very special place to, uh, you know, a good chunk of the, you know, global population. Um, how did visiting Israel for the first time kind of, you know, kind of hit you? And also, you know, what was it like being back there a second time? Because I mean, obviously, the, this trip is, you know, it's it's. Don't, I mean, sure, yes, obviously, it's wrestling motivated, but there's more to it than that, no? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, my grandparents are Holocaust survivors. Uh, they're from Hungary. Um, you know, so that was a big thing the first time I went. Lindsey Durlacher, who uh, was a close friend of mine, uh, even though we competed against each other, that passed away. And he had always told me, you got to do it. You got to do it. Um, so the first time I went, it, 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 it was an amazing experience. But I think I was like young and dumb and, and selfish. And so I just wanted to compete. You know, like when we would go overseas, you go over there, you make weight, you wrestle and you fly back. Um, but when you get over there for the first week, you're, you're practicing in the morning, then you're traveling around seeing the sides of Israel. And I mean, it's, there's just so much history that you see, whether you're a Christian, whether you're Jewish, whether you don't believe in religion, there's so many things about in history that you get to see, uh, you know, up close and personal. Um, and the relationships too. Um, you know, you meet guys from other countries, you meet your teammates from the U.S., not just wrestlers, but, you know, all age, age groups. And to come together and, and be the third largest sporting event outside of the Olympics and uh, the Pan American Games uh, is a sp pretty special thing. And I think, you know, seeing Israel and how much pride they take in it, you know, you walk out in the stadium, there's 40 to 50,000 people. And I'm not trying to compare it to, you know, the Olympics or anything like that, because that's a whole nother uh, ballgame. But walking out to that's pretty amazing feeling. Um, and hearing your national anthem played is, uh, is a pretty cool feeling as well. No, I, I, I tell you what, yeah, I, I'm in, I'm envious. Uh, I, I'd love to go to Israel. Um, I want to bring Hall with me. I think Hall would be an awesome traveling partner to Israel. <laughs> <laughs> like we've talked about it, we've talked about it. Uh, you could come, obviously. Uh, I'll be your tour guide. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's an open invite for sure. But I, 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 I do, I. I mean, I, I, for me, obviously, there's a faith-based context to it uh, as well. But uh, I just think it's an incredible – I think it's an incredible package, the Maccabee games. Uh, just, you know, given that it's, you know, 
this huge giant, you know, athletic event, and plus the the backdrop of where it takes place. It just there's not there's we there really isn't another another event like it. No, and I think too um, that. Um, sorry, I keep saying um, but the the fact of the matter Bad, that we all have verbal tics, Nate. That Jewish uh, people, you know, from the Holocaust and and even before that, you know, they come together and and they got knocked down, they got knocked down, and they pick back up and and they're flourishing again, and, and uh, so it's a it's a special thing, and to have the prime minister. Uh, speak at the opening ceremonies in person right there in front of you um, just goes to show how much, you know, that means to the the country, to the world. Um, I just, yeah, it's, it's just an amazing feeling. I mean, we had probably one of the toughest teams they've ever had for Team USA for wrestling. I mean, you know, Mike Kasoy was a double champ. The Fine Silvers both won in freestyle. Jack Munchnik won in Greco, um, you know. Bo Schlosser won a silver in Greco. Uh, Parker Crotman, uh, I think, finished first in freestyle or second. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, the coaches, Chris Fedor and Greco Moses himself, Rob Prebish, uh, did an amazing job for us, um, you know, both fundraising and everything. Um, so, yeah. No, it's, it's wonderful. And I've rooted very hard for you. Uh, they did not uh... – they did not. If they had a stream, uh, I I never found it. I only saw what you put up. Um, that was my but, wife. I got to give her a special shout out for uh, Facebook Live in it. Right, right, right. Okay. I know okay. she'll listen. She uh, she stalks me on on social media. Well, the, whatever your issues are, um, <laughs> what you call it. Uh, all right, I guess. All right. Well, so let's let's bow this up. Um, Let's bow it up. Put a bow on it. Um, okay. N- not making a prediction here. Uh, not a final prediction as so far as like something lame like a medal count or something like that. But we are expecting a very strong representative effort from Team USA, are we not? Yeah, 100%. I think the guys are going to go out there and compete hard, and uh, we're going to get some guys on the podium. Yeah, there's just optimism. Like I, I don't know. I think there's a different, a different feeling. I just do. I think there's some kind of positive vibe flowing. Yeah, I mean, Herb House and uh, and Jason Lukitas, uh, You know, they deserve a shout out for everything they did for camp and everything. Of course, he's a team coach, uh, Andy Bizek, because he was there helping guys out and. Uh, Everybody else, you know, it takes – it's not just one coach. It's It takes a whole country to, to get get them ready, so. Well, this <laughs> – yeah, it takes a whole country. Be nice well, and the, it, hands, of course, because it, of his Greco-only uh, website. Okay. Um, it takes a whole country, sure. Be nice if, uh, you know, be nice if the country actually helped. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean – I'm not listen. I'm not going to put that uh, like I said. Like I'm, I'm not going to put the wall on, uh, on the counter and expect you two to smash it. Uh, but I'll do it um, for sure. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I just, I don't know. You know, it, it's 
given the you know given the I can, I think the following uh for five point move um just you know gauging our audience there's you know people are bringing up examples of why they're positive which is different than just being like let's go team USA you know what i mean like you know, you have readers coming up with uh explicit reasons why they think a specific guy will do well and i think that's awesome because that's legit enthusiasm and it's something that i feel greco can certainly use in this country that kind of enthusiasm where people are breaking down why so-and-so you know can beat this guy if he has him in the first second round you know what i mean like um it takes i think that kind of collective attitude uh to help uh bring a program up a level. You know, I do. I don't think it's, you know, far be it for me, but I don't think it just is beholden upon the coaches, athletes, staff, and whomever. I think it takes the fan base as well. And it seems like for sure this year, the fan base is more behind the Greco team than they ever were before, at least, you know, my, uh, you know, my life, you know, paying attention. Yeah, I mean, there's more stuff out there. I mean, you've got the best website in the United States, and I'm not just saying that because you're a buddy of mine, but the fact that they have more to read about and know about the sport of Greco and who's out there in the world and in the United States, and, you know, everything's publicized more, so that helps them out being a fan and learning about it. Uh, well, that is extraordinarily kind of you, and we appreciate your help in Paris on Monday and Tuesday. Um, yeah. Nate, you're kind soul. <laughs> <laughs> Nate Cronkite. <laughs> Nate, Con- Nate Con- Cronkite. Nate Brokaw. I mean, I think uh, every one of these guys really has a, a good case to state for a while. They will do well. They have they've suffered. They've persevered, and then they've suffered some more. Um, that's that's the story of the game. And he'll, like I've already said, everyone has already done that and they're, they're ready to, to break through. So it's, it's anybody's game here. They're all, they're all so hungry and, and prepared as well as they need to be. Beautifully put. I think we should probably end on that. Uh, obviously social, social. Well, Nate is very easy. Uh, Nate Angle is at Nate Angle. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. Um, B6, B6 underscore mustache. Um, he's a popular, popular guy on Twitter, despite the fact that he doesn't work <laughs> his thumbs to use it. Should um, I do more? <laughs> well, I mean, look, it. the way I see it is that you're a huge public figure. You're a giant representative of the sport in this country. Wouldn't hurt if like, you know, the public heard from you more. That's my opinion. All right. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a hammock? No. I, for some reason, I just picture like that backyard having a hammock. No, it's just yeah. that grass, baby. It's all grass to lay in. All right. Well, that's, that's fine. Move to the Jersey Shore where you can have, uh, you know, 47 square feet and back that <laughs> you can't do anything with. Oh, yeah. This is a half acre, baby. What was that? I, 
my daughter, I, I want to let my daughter drive, um, drive in the parking lot. There was this empty parking lot. I was like, ah, oh, you know what? She could sit on my lap and work the steering wheel. And, uh, I what? remember I came, I came back. I told my dad this. He's like, oh, you can't, you know, can't do that. And I was like, Hey dad, there's this wrestler I know of. He, he said he learned how to drive a tractor when he was like five or six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, listen, I'm not going to have my kids walking around and I don't know if they're behind me or not. They're, they're sit on my lap. <laughs> but okay. So without that, I mean, yeah, I think uh, a kid on your lap is safer than walking by. Well, who knows where? You can't. There's blind spots in everything you drive. And um, I'd rather have them sitting on my lap for that case. But then, you know, here my dad, my dad's story, he's one of uh, one of 12. And he he was driving like the family tractor at six years old. So I, I'm <laughs> guarantee they had blocks on the, the pedals. For the clutch and the brake, and man, you know, but he did it. What else were you going to do? He's He was a one of 12 with a big family farm to run. <laughs> you know, it's time to, to step up. You have graduated at six years old, <laughs> you know, to, to becoming a farmhand. Yeah, see, I, I, I grew up in the Northeast. I just... I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, listen, thank you very much for hopping on. We appreciate it. And uh, as always, follow Five Point Move. That is at 5PT Move on Twitter, Five Point Move on Instagram and Facebook. We will wrap up the world next week. Thanks for checking in. We'll talk to you later. Bye. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.